0: You are listening to The Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 76, featuring special guest Bailey McCall, currently playing Jenna on the national tour of Waitress. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Vera, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, then welcome. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic or join our Facebook group, The Actor Aesthetic Tribe. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Acting is a business and in 2020, it's all about branding and marketing. Not quite sure how to market yourself just yet? well you're in good hands my ebook marketing 101 for actors is officially launched and i'm taking you step by step through the most important marketing strategies and branding techniques you need in order to succeed as an actor in 2020 i'm talking headshots resumes postcards audition material websites and of course social media go to actoraesthetic.com forward slash marketing to grab your copy today Hey friends, it's Maggie. Thanks for joining me again this week. Today's guest is the lovely Bailey McCall. Bailey McCall is an actress currently playing Jenna on the national tour of Waitress, one of my favorite musicals of all time. Regionally, she's worked at the Fireside Theater, New Stage Theater, and Jenny Wiley Theater. She has also played Sally Bowles in the national tour of Cabaret. She has her BA in English with a minor in theater from the University of Tennessee. She also trained with the CAP 21 professional program and industry practicum. Find her on Instagram at I'm Bailey McCall. It is important to note that this episode was recorded on March 11th, 2020, just a few days shy of all of the closures due to the coronavirus outbreak. As you know now, all Broadway shows and most, if not all, tours, both nationally and internationally, have been canceled or postponed until further notice. Just last week, as of recording this podcast, we did not know how big of a deal the coronavirus was going to be. But of course, I'm sharing this episode with y'all because I think that it will bring a little light and joy into your lives. Bailey is an absolute sweetheart. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Bailey, so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so pumped. Yeah. So where are you at this very moment in time? I am in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Sioux Falls. Fun. Well, we'll get to talk a little bit more about the places that you've been, but I would love to start off with asking you where you grew up and how you got involved in theater.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's about two and a half hours outside of Nashville. A little bit of a small town, but it's kind of, it's so close to Nashville and there's a university there. So it's kind of a, kind of a little mix of, of small town, but a little bit more like urban city vibes. Um, So I really didn't know anything about theater or singing or anything until high school. And I my sister kind of forced me to take a chorus class. I wasn't interested at all. I had sung in church, you know, and done kids programs at church. But my sister Whitney was like, just try a chorus class your first semester. If you hate it, you can give it up. And I did it. And it turns out the, the um, chorus program at my high school, Central High School, was huge. Uh, Becky Thomas was the choir director and she did big musicals every year and Uh, we did Crazy for You that year, and I fell in love, and it just totally changed my whole world. I mean, truly, it's that cliche story of getting bit by the theater bug, but I really did one show, and I said, this is what I want to do. I want to move to New York, and I want to be an actress. That's amazing. Now, was this like your freshman year of high school? It was my freshman year, Mm -hmm. and there was this sort of elite group bob the bobcat <laughs> company where the central high school bobcats so the bobcat <laughs> company was the audition group that did the musicals um, the, the chorus class was huge like 100 100 something people did wow. that did the chorus program and then the bobcat company was like 25 30 mm-hmm. so i um, was one of a few freshmen to actually get into Pet Company freshman year. It usually was only for sophomores and above, so, which, Fancy. you know, now it's sort of like, uh, yeah, well, everyone's, like, their high school, I feel like everyone who moves to New York was, like, somebody in high
0: school, you know? Oh, but, so. Absolutely.
1: But at the time it was like such a huge deal and um, yeah, it, it was super fun. So that was my freshman year and I was just a little chorus girl and my little pink tutu and <laughs> short blonde Bob saying, hi, Bobby, and Aww. like dancing tap- around the stage. It was so
0: fun. When you decided to go to college, did
1: mm-hmm. you
0: end up pursuing a degree in theater at all or did you decide to do something else?
1: I did. College was up and down as far as deciding what I wanted to do. And actually, you know, it was like, up until then, I knew I wanted to go to New York and I knew I wanted to do this. But then you just get hit with so many, you know, different opportunities and fears, of course, you know, so many doubts and questions. And so I was kind of up and down. I I, had, I changed my major a few times, but ultimately I ended up minoring in theater and majoring in English uh, okay. with a technical communications concentration. I'm a huge grammar nerd and love editing and um, thought, well, maybe I'll... My- I might use that in some way down the line. Just, I don't know. I thought it would be good to have a degree in something else just to fall back on, though an English degree is not much better than a theater (laughs) degree as far as practicality. (laughs) Um, But, and then by the time I graduated, I knew I wanted to move to New York and do further training, whether that was grad school or what I ended up doing was... Um, just a musical theater conservatory that was a certificate program cap 21. So by that point, I was like, I know I'm going to further my training in New York city. So it's not essential to have a theater degree, you know? Yeah,
0: totally. So you moved to New York after you graduated from, where did you go to college? The University of Tennessee and So mm-hmm. stayed home
1: for, for my four years of undergrad. And yes. they actually have an amazing theater program there, the Clarence Brown Theater, which is also, it's a Lort D um, regional house. So amazing. it's a, yeah, so it's a theater. I mean, it's a regional theater, but they also use it as an educational program. So I was in shows with hired in equity actors, with my professors, with grad students, and with fellow undergrads. So it That's was kind great. of cool to have, you know, it was such a huge learning opportunity to be able to to perform and to work with people at so many different levels.
0: Mm -hmm. And you got the best of both worlds too. I imagine, did you enjoy being able to study both a liberal arts education and also have training in theater at the same time in college? I really did. I'm a huge academic. I love school. I love studying. I love tests.
1: (laughs) I'm kind of a nerd in that way. So (laughs) I really did enjoy getting the other side of things. And I find it super helpful to study English and study language as an actor as well. You know, that's what our, especially in theater, that's our medium is text and language and words. So a lot of my English classes, you know, for my English lit classes, I would take Shakespeare or I would Mm. take, you know, play analysis or, um, screenwriting for like writing classes. So I kind of tried to meld the two together, uh, which I found super interesting and uh, really cool. And it was cool to, you know, look at Shakespeare, not only from the point of view as an actor, but from, you know, a scholar and learning more about the language and the words and the grammar and why he wrote the way he did. Uh, So it was kind of cool to get to do a little bit of both.
0: Really smart and definitely a challenge to work both sides of your brain during that time. But I think it is important to have, you know, not everyone needs to go to school for musical theater. You don't even need a degree at all, but it is depending on the type of person you are. Like I, it sounds like you made a really good decision. Tell me a little bit about your transition from Tennessee to New York City. Well, it's a big change as you can imagine. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, and i
1: moved let's see i graduated from ut in may and moved and started the program i think in august is when i started cap 21 wow. so i just had a couple of months that summer to kind of get everything together and move out uh I think because I had wanted it for so long, you know, at that point it had been almost seven, eight years of me dreaming of being in New York and taking trips with my mom and sisters and going to see Broadway shows or taking, we went with the high school choir, we went on a New York trip. So even though I'd only been for, you know, a few days stints at a time, I kind of felt like I knew the city a little bit, or at least knew what I was getting into, um, you obviously can't totally prepare for New York, as you know, it's, it's a whole beast of its own. Uh, But yeah, it was that first year or two is a huge growth period, I would say, and lots of learning, lots of growing up, because also at that point, I had only ever lived with my parents. I lived Mm. at home all through college, um, which I enjoyed, you know, I was so busy with work and school and rehearsals at I didn't have much extra time to do anything else. I didn't party in college or anything. I was just, you know, so by the book. So, but it was my first time kind of living on my own and and being in this huge city that I didn't know. So definitely a lot of learning about myself and learning about other people. I think New York opens your eyes to a lot of different cultures and different ways of life and different experiences, which I think is one of the most beautiful things about the city. And um yeah, I I just found it super exciting. It definitely was homesick for a lot of those first couple of years. And I still, I'm super close with my family. So it's still really hard to be away, even though I've I've been in New York for six years now. Mm. Um, but that's probably the biggest challenge was not so much missing the city of Knoxville, but missing the people that were there. And I'm sure a lot of people who moved to New York can relate
0: to that. Absolutely. When you went to the training program, Uh, A CAP 21. How Mm -hmm. long was this? Was this a like a year, two year long? It was two
1: years. And then the way they do their showcase is it's a separate kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. the CAP 21 musical theater program was two years, four semesters. And then you can audition for what's called industry practicum and showcase. It's different now because they're with Molloy College and it's now a four-year program and it's kind of changed a little bit. But at the time, um, I auditioned for the industry practicum and showcase, uh, which we were in rehearsals for a showcase that would, you know, we had agents and casting directors from the city come, uh, but we also had um, master classes with Jeff Jostelson and okay. um, a couple of people, Lindsay and Caitlin from Tara Rubin, um, and People, some agents and casting directors came in throughout that semester to give us master classes on like prepping callback material or auditions or agent meetings, all of those kind of business businessy things uh, that you don't get in your basic training. So it it honestly, for me, it felt like the perfect program. Um, especially with it not being a graduate program. I mean, I just felt like I kind of got everything I really needed to before doing that showcase and before getting out into the world. Um, but it was it was five pretty intense like 14 hour days you know semester so it was a lot of work but
0: yeah very rewarding for the showcase was the goal to sign with an agent or was it more just to get in front of new casting directors
1: both but I mean I think ultimately everyone's goal was to get an agent you know you I think you get out of school and you move to New York and an agent or a manager seems like the end all be all. And it is amazing to have someone on your team, but it's really not the end all be all. There are so many different routes and, and I think there's a lot to learn actually on your own. And I think, you know, um, it's, it can be fruitful in a way to not have someone initially because you just, you learn so much more about the business and how to fight for yourself and kind of advocate for yourself. Um, but, you know, to be honest, yes, the goal was to get an agent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did, you up si- did you end up signing with anyone or no? I ended up signing with Hart and curtis at the time. I had quite a few meetings, um, so I got to meet with a lot of different agents. That's and great. Unions, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I signed with Hart and curtis and was with them for about a year and a half,
0: and then they just didn't want to re-sign. I have spoken to many an actor who, at this stage in their life, Either left their agent or parted ways. or You know, it's kind of like dating, right? You
1: know, it is. You, you enter into this relationship, and when you first sign, like they'd see me in Showcase do one song. You know, That's fresh right. out of school. Mm-hmm. And when I watch that video now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was such a baby, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you have maybe one or two meetings. So how much do you really know someone? And
0: mm-hmm. and it's
1: it's a two way tr- it's a two way street, you know. They choose you, and you choose them, and you want it to feel like a symbiotic relationship and you want to be compatible and you just want it to be a good fit. So I loved them and they were great. Um, but we went our separate ways and I haven't had representation
0: since. Um, well then guess what? (laughs) That is really good to know for, for actors, young actors, especially who think that agents are the end all be all. It's not, that's not true. Obviously. I mean, you and I both know that they can help um mm-hmm. but it's not necessary and you are living proof right now i would love to know a little bit about your audition process for specifically for waitress
1: so specifically for waitress and this is such an like i feel like it's such a crazy story and not <laughs> a typical situation but i um <laughs> i so Jason Yanker, who works for Networks Productions, who is our uh, production company, I guess we met at some point when I was doing Cabaret a couple of years ago, and that was with uh, Apex Prather, so not even the same production company, but at some point we met um, during Cabaret, and he hmm. was following me on Instagram. I didn't even know he was following me on Instagram, and <laughs> I go see, I've been obsessed with Waitress for years. Oh, I, I've seen it three times on Broadway. I would have seen it more if I could afford it. Uh, <laughs> But I've seen it three times, and I went with my best friend Alexis to see Shoshana and Jeremy when they were in it oh. um, and posted, like, you know, a picture of the playbill on my story saying, I'm So excited to see Shoshana and Jeremy. And um, Jay, I see a message in my DMs later from Networks Productions saying, Are you auditioning? I would love to see you play this role. And I was like, Are you kidding? Jenna's been my dream for the last four years. I would love the opportunity. Um, and he was like, great. Like, we'll see you there. I didn't even know, like a year before that, my friend had texted me saying waitress is going on it. And I was like, right. Oh my gosh. I literally texted him and I said, she's mine. Like, I just have Uh, wanted for so long. And I know so many other women have. And so many, so great in this part. I just think it's a lot that, you know, people can contribute to the role but um I was like she's mine (laughs) which looking back now is so crazy and some I mean whenever I remember that it's crazy anyways okay I'm rambling so then um I was in the Big Bang Theory pop rock musical parody off Broadway at the time yes you were which um Plenty of things to say about that, but we'll we'll skip over it. (laughs) I was in that at the time, and it ended up close. We got a a notice on Monday that we were closing Sunday. Like it was crazy. We were supposed to be open ended, and suddenly Mm -hmm. we were like, "Okay, now I'm out of work." And this whole thing was nuts. Um, And then, so two weeks later, I get another message from Network saying, "Did you audition?" Um, And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't even know they happened. Like I hadn't even been looking at Actors Access or anything, to be honest, because I was just trying to figure out like getting through that transition." And he was like, okay, well, here's, um, here's our head producer, Trinity. Here's his email. I'm going to tell him to look out for you, but send your headshot resume. And uh, I emailed him immediately and within a couple hours, um, like, had an audition appointment for the next whoa. Monday, which was already a final callbacks week. So whoa, um, I went in Monday initially with the Jenna material. They called me back for female ensemble Jenna cover. I went in Wednesday for the uh, movement call, did that. They gave me Dawn sides after the movement call and kept me. (laughs) So then in the afternoon I went back in with my Jenna sides. And at that point I had female ensemble sides and the Dawn sides they'd given me that day. Went in, did a little bit of that. Um, I did mostly Jenna stuff, but then I did the, the Dawn scenes. I didn't actually sing when he sees me. Um, and then I got a final call back Thursday for the Jenna cover.
0: Hmm. And,
1: um, I actually already had another contract at the time. And so this really? whole, I was like, tr- like, I don't know, like, I don't know how much to like keep going for. I really kind of knew I would probably right. wouldn't take it unless I actually got the role just because I had something else. And I was trying to figure out how to navigate that. And then, um, Christine, who was casting, um, Christine McKenna called me and was like, your email says Jenna cover, but we are considering you for the actual role. Still. I just wanted to let you know, this was literally the night before. And I was oh like, gosh okay, I'm going to do it. And so I went in uh, Friday for final callbacks and, um, they were running super behind and were there for like hours and (laughs) read with, I just read with one Dr. Prometer, David, who is now here, um, um, Mm -hmm. and I found out in a couple of weeks that I got it. (laughs) Wow. So (laughs) it was, yeah, it's just such an unorthodox story. I feel it was totally, Crazy and speaks to the power of social media yeah, and kind I of. I was just you know, gonna
0: say power, all power of mm-hmm. social media, and also just marketing, self-branding. Yes, and just
1: I you know you know all about and yeah, um,
0: but like, wow, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't think of a better example than that, but also.
1: Yeah, I- and I hadn't really thought about it that way before. I mean, I love social media. I have a lot of fun with it. You know, I I have a fashion blog on Instagram that I keep up with too. So it's been a fun, creative outlet for me. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I realized this is not just one, a creative outlet or two, like a way to keep in touch with your friends, which it is all those things. But I was like, oh my gosh, this is a marketing tool. And like this casting director or producer even might've not been thinking, oh, we need someone for this role. Like, Oh, I saw this girl a couple of years ago in this right. show. What was her name? You know, like, but just because he was scrolling through his feed and saw my face pop up, like, mm-hmm. was like oh, yeah, I saw her in that, and
0: she might be a good fit for this. So- right. Especially since you were active on social media, too, because there's something to be said mm-hmm. about, like, yeah, you can have an account, but like the fact that you were active on it and posting frequently content that was you know, appropriate to who you are as both an individual and an artist. Um, you are constantly on his mind, whether he knew it or not. I mean, subconsciously, like, right. you were there um, because you're right. Like, he could have – you guys could have met. And then who knows if he would have remembered, you know, that situation. But social media right. is fascinating like that because we think we are, like, constantly connected with people because – we have this tool at our fingertips at all times. Mm -hmm. So, wow. That's so, that gives me chills. I love hearing stories like that. Yeah. It was really amazing.
1: And, and, you know, sometimes I'm like, I know social media can seem trivial or can seem like it's, it's a waste of time or, and Do we all spend too much time on Instagram? Yes, maybe, you know, not everyone obviously, but it really can be a powerful tool. And I think it's so important for actors to know and especially young actors now, like it's just, it's such a huge part of the industry and kind of just our society as a whole. So um, Hmm. it was really cool and I still, jason he comes out on the road sometimes and i'm like
0: You're just, the reason thank I'm here. you so, so like, much I'm literally <laughs> always
1: and he's so sweet and he's like no like i just helped to get in the room but like that's everything sometimes That's everything you know? it but
0: just so, takes one person in your corner yeah. just so, one thanks, jason. <laughs> oh, i love that okay yeah. so that's that actually brings up something interesting because you said that mm-hmm. you had another contract at the same time that mm-hmm. would obviously conflict with waitress um had that ever happened to you before? That you were, you know, in between two things. So that was the first time. It was the first time. And again, this was this was one of those moments where I was like, of "Okay, course. I've been
1: okay <laughs> without an agent for this long, but now I really need some help." Right. because <laughs> you know, that's something I had never dealt with before, and I'm sure. And now that I've gone through it, I'm sure it happens all the time. Yes. Um, that people have things and something comes up for whatever reason, and you have to back out and. You know, it was within my my contract gave me, I think, six weeks and it was totally within that period. Like oh, so it was you know, just burning bridges, but it still was oh, I just yeah, it honestly was really, really hard because I didn't know is this gonna look bad on either side? Like am I gonna seem not loyal or not committed, right. when, you know, ungrateful in any way and which are all the things I don't want to be or don't want to come know. off as. So it was really tricky to navigate and I have I have some kind of mentors in my life and some other actors I look up to who I was texting and mm-hmm. reaching out to calling, uh, Jeff Josselson, who I said, we, he's a, he's a casting director in the city. And we worked with at cap 21 has just been a huge uh, mentor to me. And I ended up calling him, I think that night before the final. And I was like, here's the situation. What do I do? <laughs> do, I do? And he was like, don't create a problem when there's not a problem yet. Yeah. And a that was a, a great piece of advice. Um, because it's like, okay, maybe I'm stressing myself about all these things for no reason. Um, yeah. So I think that's a good piece of advice, you know, for any audition or there just are so many factors and variables. So I think it's, that's been a good piece of advice that stuck with me. Don't create a problem when there's not one yet. Um, yeah. But also sort of talk me through some ways to deal with it if and when it was a situation um, and kind of help me get the wording and, you know, and the tools to, to bring it up to the other team that I was actually going to be moving on to something else. And right. Being so understanding and so kind, and just said, "We totally get it. This is an amazing role. You know, it sounds like it's an artistic choice for you." um They just were so kind, and so I just I reached out to them and the casting director, you know, just to say thank you so much. And I'm sorry to have to do this, but mm-hmm. but they were all totally understanding. And I literally I ended the phone conversation in tears because I mm-hmm. I just didn't know how it was going to play out, and I was so worried about upsetting someone or burning bridges and They were so gracious with me and, um, it just, it just meant a lot. So it it was a huge learning experience all around, but, um, I I also think it's, it's good to know that that happens. And I think if you, if you handle it with grace and gratitude, um, you know, people understand this is a business, um, on all sides. And so people understand, and there are ways to, to do that and to move forward, um,
0: and to not leave any like debris in your way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, And sometimes it feels like when it rains, it pours in this industry, which is so dumb because there's so many times in our lives where we're like, when is the next job going to come? And then all of a sudden you Mm -hmm. have these opportunities in front of you and you're like, why could this have happened? Why couldn't this have happened at another time? But sometimes it's just just how it works. It's how it was meant to be. And you have a decision to make. So yeah. I'm glad though that you decided, you know, cause you could have easily said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go to the final callback. I don't want to, you know, for whatever reason you could have said not, you weren't going to go to the callback because you didn't want to give the impression that you would take the job if mm-hmm. you, know, you had this other one, but it all works out in the end. It does. And that whole, I mean, that whole week, I just was like,
1: I, every day I was like, do I tell them now that I have something else? Yeah. Do I tell them- I'm auditioning for something else. Do I not go? Do I just, you know, accept what I have? But this role and the show are just so important to me. So I felt like I I had to give it a chance. And I truly, there were almost like every day I was like, maybe Mm -hmm. I should I should back out now. And, you know, I'm just so glad that I didn't because here we are. So Here we are. (laughs) (laughs) It really did all work out and I I feel super lucky and it feels like everything kind of
0: fell into place, you know, in the right time. So. That's awesome. So you were, before this previously, you were on tour with Cabaret Mm -hmm. and now you're on tour with Waitress. So you've done tour twice now. Is there Mm -hmm. anything that you learned along the way, or maybe you're doing a little bit better the second time around? Now that you're, yes.
1: <laughs> you yes. have your ropes.
0: Yeah. I think I'm doing a little better at
1: self-care on this yeah. tour. I think my first tour, I got lost in it a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And it's hard to say if if that's contributed to it being my first tour, yeah. the material that I was working on. You know, <laughs> Sally's a very different character than Jenna. And she I'm sure not, is. And <laughs> not here by any means. But some of that stuff, like, gets in you. You know, whether you like it or not, or even aware of it or not. So um, when I was on Cabaret, I was going out a lot and hanging out with the cast a lot, which I love. I just, I want it to feel like a community and a family so much, but you also have to know your limits and we're all here to do a job and to do the show to the best of our ability. And with this role, I know I can't do that if I'm drinking the night before, you know, every night, or um, staying up super late, which, well, I kind of do still stay up late, which I'm (laughs) trying to work on, but it's really hard when you get out of a show at 11 o'clock, so that's something I'm trying to work on, but I will say I'm spending kind of more time to myself, or more time just resting, um, trying to stay on top of, like, vitamins, and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the, like, I don't know, just the things that you need to do to stay on top of, of yourself and your health and everything. So I'm trying to do better about that. Um, but I, it's hard because now on this tour, I feel like, Oh, I feel like I don't see the cast as much and I wish I could hang out more and I wish I could yeah. do more things, but I just know I can only do so much with this role with how demanding it is. So, and that's something that you learn, you know, as it, as it goes on and, um, It's, I think it's, it's constantly a learning process, you know, and it's, every day is different. So I try to just have a little bit more of a balance, I think, this time around.
0: Mm -hmm. I get a lot of questions about this from actors who are either going on tour or they're considering going on tour. Mm -hmm. And I get this question asked a lot because there's not really that much information about it online and I'm just curious like how do you approach packing for a tour especially if it's like a long term engagement
1: It is so difficult I <laughs> <laughs> I'm I feel like I'm not a great person to answer this because <laughs> I love clothes and yeah. and I probably bring more than I need to you really don't need that much on the road because A lot of times you're just on the bus, or you're you know you're traveling, or you're at the gym, or you're at the theater doing a show. So like I don't need to be in a skirt and heels when I'm you know doing my yoga before (laughs) the show. (laughs) But for me personally, I enjoy having those things and trying to keep up with my like fashion blog on the road. I knew that I wanted to have those things. So I I think it's different for every person, but I think it's important to have things that make you feel. At home, like I always pack a candle. I get candles in little like metal tins. So even if you're in a hotel, you know, you're in a different hotel every night, but you have that one scent that makes you feel at home. So I always have a candle with me. And um, essential things are packing cubes, they make life so much easier because you can organize all of your stuff. Um, I get a travel like camping set of silverware. So you're not having to use plasticware all the time. And, you know, if you have leftovers like you can heat that up in your hotel room and I just get the little kind of compactable, um, Tupperware dishes. So you can always um, have that and like make oatmeal in your hotel room or like, like I said, heat up your leftovers. Um, and then a travel humidifier is oh, ne- yeah, totally yeah. necessary. And I will say I left without bringing one. Cause I was like, I think I'll be fine. Like I've got my pure mist. No, it is so necessary and you can get them on Amazon for what, 20 or 30 bucks that you just pop a water bottle on. Um, and so I've now like the times when I haven't used it, I wake up and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> it's so dry and you're just in a different environment all the time. So that's a huge game changer. And I will say, I invested this year in a humidifier.
0: What is um, that?
1: Flying uh, quite a bit more than my last tour. Oh. It's, um, it's a mask that you wear on airplanes, or I even wear it now like, on the bus. Um, and basically, there's, I think, 10% humidity on airplanes or something crazy. It's crazy dry because of the altitude. So the humidifier basically... Kind of just recirculates and purifies your air, so you're you're breathing in the your humid air. Um, so you it kind of keeps your cords moist and keeps you from drying out, but also prevents you from whatever like germs are floating around in the air in the plane. So that's been a huge game changer too, because. Uh, We were flying a lot the first leg of tour and it it can just be so drying. And there's so many, I I just feel like planes Mm -hmm. are super gross. So the humidifier is great and you can get it on their website for like 60 bucks or something. So those are my like tour essentials. That's
0: awesome. That's really good to know.
1: It's hard to pack for different seasons and you kind of have to just look at your schedule. For us, the majority of our tour is winter. So i brought one pair of shorts yeah. and one skirt. Cause I was like, I'm just not going to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like jeans and sweaters cause that's what I'm getting the most use out of. So you mm-hmm. kind of just have to look at the grand scheme of things and you can always shop and like send packages home, you know, or get things that you need. So.
0: Hmm. That's great. Yeah. Um, I have to ask this because it is becoming I believe they announced today it's a pandemic. Um, how, if anything, has the coronavirus affected both audience attendance and even your tour schedule or travel schedule
1: We're starting to see it especially this week, and we started it's crazy because it seems like this was just in the news for the first time a few weeks ago you know we're and it's escalated so quickly um we're getting emails from networks now kind of like every few days updating us with extra precautions or things that they're doing or that we should be doing. And I think it, I think networks has maybe 14 tours out. So I think it depends on your tour route. I know some people who were supposed to go overseas, they've mm-hmm. canceled the legs of the tour cause you can't. Um, but for us right now, our schedule is still the same. Uh, we're not, we're on the bus most of the time right now, so we haven't been flying. So we've not been impacted by that, but they have had us stop, uh, doing stage doors. So Mm. we've got to sign up on the stage door saying we love you guys, but unfortunately we, we can't come out and say hi. Um, I had a master class scheduled to teach this weekend that got canceled. They're canceling our meet and greets and talk backs and things like that. Um,
0: and sometimes those are the most exciting parts of being on
1: tour. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's a bummer. We really love to connect. Waitress has such a beautiful following and we love just connecting with fans and, um, you know, meeting other fellow actors or um, just theater lovers. So it, it is kind of tough not to be able to do that. But um, obviously we want everyone to be safe and healthy and it's such a tight, you know, we're on the same bus with each other in the same Mm -hmm. hotel room. So it's super tight knit. And then at the theater, they've, you know, they've got their Clorox wiping everything. Like we're not reusing any props. They go straight into the dishwasher. You know, everything gets immediately washed with a new sponge every day. Even like there's hand sanitizer in all the dressing rooms, just all this extra stuff to try and, and I think now our um, props and stagehands, uh, People are all wearing gloves backstage. So lots of extra precautions. I'm not sure about ticket sales or attendance. I'm
0: I'm wondering if that started to affect. Um, I guess we'll people. see yeah. in the next couple of weeks what that's going yeah. to do. Just because, and Broadway has been extra careful. Um, I'm not entirely sure even in New York if, if ticket sales are being affected, but it seems like producers and, and shows are almost foreseeing that so uh-huh. we'll see in the next few days but that's fascinating and what a time to have this happen especially on tour I'm sure it's I
1: know it's kind of scary because I mean obviously we want to finish this out and we want to be able to hit all our stops so I'm just hoping and praying that yeah this all clears up but I know of you know schools that are already yep. canceled for the rest of the year big schools that this is happening to yeah. so it's just hard to know. And I feel like there are two schools of thought, like this is going to take over and everyone's going to get it or uh, like, it's going to go away quickly and you're going to be fine. You know, it's, it's just kind of hard to know, but I know scary times for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, Well, speaking of surviving, this is the worst segue of all time. (laughs) I do like asking this question because I think it's really important to ask, and especially for young actors to know a little bit more about. But when you're in between jobs, um, what kind of survival jobs have you had, if any, especially in New York City? I have
1: done retail. I worked in anthropology. Mm -hmm. I have waited tables. I have done temp jobs. I have done like babysitting temp jobs. I... Now uh nanny for a family um, part-time when I'm in the city and someone is uh, covering for me right now, but that's my most recent survival job, but I've kind of done a little bit everything. of everything. It's interesting because it's, you kind of have... Two full-time jobs when you're an actor. Almost three, actually, I say. Like auditioning is a full-time job. <laughs>
0: yeah. When you're in a
1: show, that's a full-time job. On auditioning
0: is a full-time job that pays no money. <laughs> exactly.
1: So you have that full-time job that pays no money, that takes up most of your time, mm-hmm. whatever job that pays the bills, and then your career acting, which it feels like winning the lottery when you actually get to just do a show, right. you know. <laughs> so right. it's it's definitely an interesting thing. But I've kind of done it all and for me, I found that I love nannying and taking yeah. care of kids. And that's something that's been lucrative, but also just fills my soul in a way that waiting tables mm-hmm. didn't. And it's just, it's been good for me. And the family that I nanny for is so lovely. And I, I just love the girls. I Facetime time with them the other day. Like oh. I didn't feel like a second family to me. So that's been, it's been really good to find because I was not super happy when I was waiting tables. Um, yeah. it kind of sucked the life out of me. I felt, you know, ultimately so, but it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are so many different things that you can do in New York. There are so many different ways to, to, you know, pay the bills and kind of have that side hustle. Um, mm-hmm. so you kind of just have to find what fits for you and what, You know,
0: I think it's important to find something that doesn't totally suck the life out of you though. (laughs) I know it's a good you have to find a good balance between what's going to pay me well, but what's also going to be flexible. Exactly. And yeah, flexible is I think the most important, but also what's going to bring me the most joy of all mm-hmm. of them. And when you can find something like for you is nannying and babysitting, when mm-hmm. you find something like that, I mean, you, sh- you've struck gold because then, you know, you're going to auditions and whatever, but then you're not dreading going to your survival job. You know, it's a survival job That's for right. a reason, but
1: mm-hmm. I t-
0: wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah.
1: Well, and sometimes it's the majority of your year. Last yeah. year, you know, I did big bang theory for, for, a month or two in the spring. And we didn't start this until October. So the majority of my year, I was just in New York and nannying, but I, I never once felt unsatisfied, satisfied or unfulfilled, you know, and starting my, my fashion blog has also been, I think it's good to also have something totally that creatively fuels you outside of the career Um, because again, when you're not in a show, you're not really like exercising that side of things. So I think having something that you're passionate about, you know, also makes the, those kind of survival days a little bit easier and it doesn't feel like you're just getting through to the next gig. You're still living your life, you know, and that should be fulfilling in its own way.
0: Yeah. Very, very important to hear.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... My final question for you and I feel like I could chat with you for days but my final question <laughs> is what advice would you give young performers who want to pursue a career in the theater industry There are so many
1: you know tidbits I think oh, that yeah. that you could give but the biggest thing I always say is patience and persistence I think everyone's path is different everyone's journey is different truly there is no ladder to climb. There is no right, you know, way to put the puzzle pieces together. It's totally different for everyone. And if you can just be patient through that process and, and be persistent in what you want, you know, and, and keep dreaming, you know, and that's what Waitress is all about, which is another reason it, It's so cool to be doing this show every night. A dream needs believing to taste like the real thing. I think that's Mm -hmm. so beautiful and so true. You know, you have to, you have to stay strong in what you want and keep fighting for yourself. Um, And I, I truly believe that with hard work and determination, eventually something's going to happen for you. And it, it. it may not happen and it probably won't happen exactly the way you want it, you know, or exactly the way you imagined it, but it's going to be so much better in the long run. And it can be so fulfilling if you learn to just embrace the mess and the unknown and the process, you know, um, cause as actors, we're all about process. That's kind of the whole thing. There's never <laughs> one ultimate, you know, end goal. It's all process. And, um, So I think if we can kind of approach the business side of things and just the pursuit of this career, kind of the same way we would, you know, a role or a show, I think it can be rewarding in that way.
0: Hmm. What a lovely way to end this chat. I feel like that, again, very important, especially for young actors, because it's not easy. And if we approach our livelihood the same way we approach material from a script. I think that it can be very serendipitous and very beautiful as long as we stay in the game. It's just how long you can stay in the game, you know? And
1: it's easier said than done, you know, and obviously it's, it's easy to be in a show and be on the road and working, you know, um, the hard part is when I come back in July and I, you know, it's like waiting for what's next, but still Mm -hmm. kind of hold on to that mentality. So it is easier said than done, but but it's doable and it's, it's worth it all, truly, um, if it's really what, what you wanna do, so. And it's certainly
0: worth it. Yeah. Yay, well, thanks Bailey so much for joining us today. Thank you. <laughs> all right, we'll chat soon. If you've enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it Tag at actor aesthetic and share it to your instagram stories so that i can see who is following along with me there if you haven't already please be sure to rate and review the podcast on itunes and also hit that subscribe button so that you can join me every single week for a brand new episode of the actor aesthetic podcast until then this is maggie Barra signing up takes a village. I'll see you next week.